Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Welcome to today's episode where Tara and I will be talking about the pros and cons of turning your passion into your career. But as always, before we get on today's topic, we want to thank everyone who's been sharing their work with us on social media this month. We've got I think about a thousand members now in our Facebook group, haven't we, Tara? I'm getting there, I think, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it, I'm pretty sure we've probably just gone <gasps> over that now. Have we? I don't know. Are you looking? <laughs> no, I'm not looking. <laughs> so obviously as it's really difficult, isn't it? It's always difficult to pick things out when there's so much to choose from, but the more we get, the harder it, it becomes. But um anyway, here's a few. We've got uh, Laura McKenzie Atkins, and she caught my eye straight away. Um She's doing like a, I don't know if you've seen it, she's doing a page of miniature squares for the entire month of May. And what she did, she did it on one page and she put this lovely header at the top and she's devoting each um, square to a whimsical mushroom. <laughs> um, have you seen them? Yeah. They're really quirky. They're obviously not real mushrooms, but they are. she's kind of made these characters out of these mushrooms. So I thought that was a really quirky idea. I really like that. And... Um, who else? Karen Thornton. Yeah, she's been painting um, like miniature art on used tea bags, which I think is such a, a clever idea. I think there's someone else doing that actually as well. And I thought that was really um, nifty. And, and one she did was like a little blue and white teapot, which I thought was really apt for a tea bag. I was almost inspired to try it myself, but I have t- um, pyramid tea bags. I don't think it would work so well on those. You could do one of Egypt. Can you make a little model? Yeah, yeah. A little pyramid <laughs> or 3D art, <laughs> and um, another one that caught my eye straight off was Cheryl Martin. She kicked off um, Blooming Marvelous May on day one, I think it was, with some 3D art which she kind of made with paper and buttons, which I thought was really creative. What about you? What's caught your eye? Well, I've really liked Christine Milaws, and I hope I'm saying that right, little watercolour abstract. And the really sad thing was, yesterday she said that she was um, going to stop doing them because she was doing the little ones, you know, miniature ones. And she yeah. said she didn't feel like the little space gave her enough room to play with watercolours because also they spread out, you know, when they're wet. Yeah. But I thought they looked absolutely lovely. Uh, yeah. And then Sophie Knight, I don't know if you've seen her little miniature painting she's done. I have, yeah. I nearly mentioned her and I thought, I bet you Tara's going to mention her because they're so good. Yeah, <laughs> I really, really like one she did of, I think it was a train, like a Russia, train. Yeah, train. That was lovely. And then also Jackie Hussey, Pluski, hope I've got that right. She's been doing some lovely little watercolour flowers, but what I like about them is the colours are so, so punchy. I actually asked her what brand she was using, and apparently there's some really old watercolours that she had, but so lovely and bright. Yeah, no, I really liked, um, I mean, this month I think, I always say it, this month has been our busiest yet, but I I honestly think this one really has. I don't think any of the challenges, uh, there's only one challenge that's more... um, popular than the others i think everyone's sort of getting really involved in all of them aren't they yeah i think the flower one's going down really well and, and the miniature actually um, both of them. yeah 
So anyway, what's been happening with you? What's new? Well, I've been doing loads of sketching recently and in so many different styles. And it's I think it's mainly because of our YouTube videos. So it turns out that um, underneath my OCD exterior is someone who can actually be quite messy. So who knew? <laughs> I've, I've discovered, I think, a side to my drawing or sketching that I wasn't really even aware of. So that's been really fun. Um I was amazed, I must admit, because you sent me the one through where you'd drawn over some torn up paper. I know. I sent Tara a text and it said, you'll never guess, dot, 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 I've collaged (laughs) in big capital letters. She was like, I don't know if you gasp. So how do you gasp by text? Yeah, I don't know how to spell that. Yeah, that was funny. And it was lovely, but you'd still manage to get, no, whereas me, if if I've, you know, ripped out paper, I'm quite scrappy when I draw on it as well. You'd still manage to get the most beautiful lines on it. (laughs) Well, I'm having a love affair. And guess what I'm having a love affair with? I know what you're having a love affair with. Something you didn't like before. Yeah. My brush pen, which I hated, and now I love it. And I've been drawing these, these. Um, I was going to say beautiful. I don't mean my drawings are beautiful, but these beautiful African ladies with this amazing hair and and oh god, I've been so enjoying doing those. Really enjoying them. Yeah, and I, I ripped up this bright red, uh, bright yellow um, sort of paper and stuck it in my sketchbook and drew. Um, one of the ladies, one of them had a headscarf on. I thought, well, that worked really well with bright colours in the background. But, um, yeah, so I've been really, really experimenting. And um, really, I think, as I say, it's just the videos, you know, because I can't, well, we I have to do the different stuff. Yeah. yeah. And anyone who hasn't subscribed to those videos yet, if you want to have a giggle at Tara and I, making complete idiots of ourselves, but still learn something creative at the same time, then do check them out. If you go to um, Kick in the Creatives on YouTube and then click on the playlists and you'll see a playlist called Art Kick Sundays and they come out every Sunday. Anyway, apart from that, I've gone. Sorry, I've just say asked, yeah. um, have you yet got out the chunky marker since I've persuaded you to do the brush pen? I tried it on that bit of pizza that I stuck in my sketchbook, but it didn't work. Oh, okay. And that, now it's covered in tomato ketchup. Why? <laughs> 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 That's not gone up yet. <laughs> you actually going up this week. So by the time, yeah, so the, the uh, pizza... If you want to go and find out what Sandra's talking about, that will be on probably uh, our most recent or maybe the last one before Art Kick Sunday. Yeah? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I have also started a new painting. Hurrah! Can't, can't wait. Well, I, ha- well, I say I can't wait. I've started it, but I can't wait to get to the bit where it starts resembling what I'm actually painting and I'm revisiting the marbles for this one oh right yeah so I'm really are you going light still or are you going dark no I'm I've switched the light back on I'm I'm going back yeah um so I've got this uh little set of marbles on this reflective surface and um that's quite tricky to do I did that before on that big five foot painting I did this one's nowhere near that big but it is quite big um so yeah, I started that at the weekend. So yeah, it's all going on in the studio. What about you? What's new with you? Asked, you just said it on a reflective surface. So what do you put these marbles on to get this reflective surface? 
I've used a few things in the past for that big four foot painting I did yeah. or five foot painting I did by four foot I think it was I've got this sheet of glass literally just a small sheet um and what I do is I lay it over a piece of card all right yeah and then I put the marbles on that but actually this time I didn't bother I wanted something not I wanted it sort of like a more of a neutral color so I've told you, haven't I? I'm sure I've mentioned this podcast before on our, um, I think we did an episode, didn't we, on art tips. Oh, yeah. uh, General art tips. Did I talk about my my palette that I had made? It's basically a piece of glass with polished edges and it's toughened and then underneath it's been sprayed like this neutral grey colour. And this time I just literally put my marbles on my palette to take this photograph i can't draw marble i can't paint marbles from life because they're just too small i'd need binoculars <laughs> so i do have to take a photograph for these otherwise i'd be thinking oh now how am i going to paint because they're on my palette but yeah, yeah i used i used my palette so how about you what's going on with you oh hang on before yeah. you go on you're i just want to mention to everyone tara has is seeing someone else she's seeing another artist <laughs> That's what's new with you, isn't it, Tara? Yeah, it's not what you think. I tried to set up a village sketching group and um, and I got this message from Sandra on the text saying, you better not find yourself another sidekick. <laughs> so I did say there will be no drawing affairs happening. Um, but yeah, I tried to set up a village sketching group and as, as always when you try and do these things, you, you put it on, I basically put it on the Facebook group and you get loads of people going, oh yeah, I'd be interested, yeah, yeah, I'd be interested. Anyway, so there's three of us um, on the day, which was actually one more than I thought because originally... I thought it was two more than you thought because, oh no, I'm sorry, three of us. <laughs> yeah. That would have been just me, sat on my dog, <laughs> which isn't much of a group. But yeah, so... I got there and it, of course it started raining, didn't it? So I'm I'm waiting and, and I've stood outside this bar where we, we were going to meet and it started raining. So this woman who I wasn't expecting, she turned up and then a few minutes later, the one I was expecting turned up. Anyway, because so it was raining, we went in the bar and basically we sat, yeah, I think you've been there actually when you were in Ketra in that um, Kino lounge. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool, that bar, yeah. There's all really eclectic sort of furniture and like a wall that looks like it's crumbling and that sort of thing, hasn't it? And real odd yeah, oddments yeah. of furniture. So there's a lot of nice stuff to draw if you like bits like that. So we, we found this table and basically we sat there for two hours. Um, so I sat facing the bar, which was actually really good because it was quite a queue at one point, all sort of alongwards. So I was drawing people in the queue of the bar, which I really want to practice drawing people. So that was quite good. Uh, one, another guy turned up, which was really weird. And um, the woman... Had you arranged to meet there in that bar then? No, we had arranged to meet outside, just outside right. the bar. And if yeah. it was nice, because there's quite a lot of... Uh, quite nice buildings around there there's also yeah. a really nice church and a really old-fashioned library so I thought if it was nice we could perhaps sit outside and um, yeah so so we're sitting there and we're drawing and this guy comes over and he ends up sitting next to the woman because I was sitting near one of the women he sits down next to her and she gives him some paper and I thought oh it must have been some guy who fancied joining us to draw fair enough <laughs> it turned out it was her partner I hadn't, I mean, so, he was chatting and someone said, oh, oh, you work, he worked locally to us. She'd seen him on uh, the shop where he'd worked. But I, I just, I had no, 
no clue. <laughs> <It was> just, <laughs> just thought it's random stranger yeah, decided to sit drawing. <laughs> quite, quite odd. Was it? Was it funny? You, are you all going to meet again? Um, hopefully, yeah. So I'm going to. Well, I'm going to check with one of the women. I think one wasn't keen. The one who's part who was with her partner, she wasn't that keen on because she does stuff more online, like you know, digital yeah. drawing. And I don't, right. think, I don't think she was that keen. But uh, I think the other woman was interested. So yeah, I'm going to try and set up another one. I'm not quite sure when yet. But uh, can I just ask? Yeah. Was anyone wearing a horse's head? No, no, oh, that's all right then. Yeah, I'm safe. So, yeah. And then <laughs> I also went sketching the next day. Actually, me, me and Kevin, there was a little art, local art exhibition. Um, we had a little look around that. It was only tiny, and then we wandered around the park, and I sat and drew people on park benches, which was quite good. So, what does Kevin do when you do this? Well, funnily enough, I said to him the night before, I said why don't you do some drawing with me? We, and he said, yeah, I might have a go. He wasn't that keen. But but uh, we went to the pub first, had some lunch, went to this exhibition. And I said, do you want to draw them? And he goes, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just going to look on my phone. He'll look at sport and stuff on his phone. But He, has he said, makes a good model, doesn't he? Yeah. And he has said, if ever I fancy going sketching, he says, I'm well up for coming, just sitting down somewhere and reading the newspaper while I sketch. So he's really good like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and of course, I nearly forgot, I also got to video a snail. <laughs> now, Is this for Art yeah. Kick Sunday? That was another Art Kick <laughs> Sunday. One you kindly wrote for me. What a nightmare that was. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We, yeah, we're doing a... <laughs> I think we're doing a video on sketching moving objects, yeah. aren't we? Away. Oh, keep giving it yes, away. yes, yes. Okay, let's not give it away. Okay. Anyway, so let's let's not divert anymore. Let's get on to today's um, topic, which um, where we're talking about basically the pros and cons of turning your creative passion into your career, which I think a lot of people have dreamed about, haven't they? <clears throat> I certainly have. But I've got mixed feelings about it because aside from my um, art and obviously kicking the creatives, I do actually have a non-creative job. I'm waiting for your gasp. <gasps> I did actually know you had a non-creative job already. Oh, yeah, go <laughs> What is your non-creative job, Sandra? Boring. It's too boring to talk about. But it's it's at the end of the day, it is part time, um, and it it's a and their business, isn't it? And it, it's administrative. It's a family business, yeah. Basically, my husband runs his own business, and I do a lot of the paperwork and you know all that sort of accounting stuff. And it's oh, I'm yawning already. Most of our listeners will be switching off right now. <laughs> but it, it's it is boring, but it pays the bills. It's reliable, and you know it. It's just I've been doing it, well, for years. And so it is part-time. I've always insisted that I'm not going to do any more than, I mean, I basically do nine to three and Monday to Friday. I used to only do four days, but I had to go up to five days because we got really busy. But I'm really hoping to sort of step that back down again um, at some point and go back down to four days. Um, and there are times, to be honest, when I really resent being there because Obviously, I would far rather be focusing solely on my artwork and kicking the creatives. And I'm really lucky, actually, because, like I said before on another episode, that Paul has converted the back of my office. It's kind of like a garage. So my office is one end and my studio is the other end. So I can kind of flip between the two. So I'm, I am very lucky, really, because when it's quiet, I'm in the art studio a lot more, you know, when perhaps I might normally be working. Um 
But obviously, to be honest, I would much rather be focusing just on art and kicking the creatives. But, you know, even if I was doing a job that wasn't at home, when I really sit and think about it, there is actually, I think, a positive side to having a job outside of your creativity as well as a negative side. But I think, first of all, we should talk about the cons of being a full-time creative and then move on to the pros because we like to end on a high, don't we? Um, Finally, I think we'll look at ways where you might be able to have the best of both worlds. Well, shall I go on to my cons? Because I've got plenty of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, explain your situation, yeah. Clara. Well, well, first of all, I just want to say what happened to me, because when I became a graphic designer, because it ended up my destroying my passion for drawing, really. Because when I was ki- a kid, I just constantly drew. You know, I'd always be sitting there with a bit of paper. And I absolutely loved my first year of art college. Uh, and then after, then the second year wasn't quite so great. And then I went on to study graphic design. But that was really not because I wanted to study graphic design. It was because I didn't really know what to do. You know, you know you're artistic, but it's like, well, what can you do with that that you can make a living out of? And, of course, there wasn't any great advice on how you could make a living out of that. So I've worked in the industry now for probably about 25 years. So you could say that I turned my passion into my career. And early on, there was quite a lot of drawing involved, even though it was digital, a lot of that. But of course, then we got stock photography and stock images. And to be honest, people didn't really want to pay for you to sit there and draw something where they could buy something for a, you know, a few pounds or dollars. And so the drawing became less and less. And Often I would get jobs that really didn't interest me, but they still required you to be creative. And I think, like, you know, you said your job, Sandra, isn't creative. Yeah. But sometimes it's almost better if it's a job that doesn't interest you that's creative. It's almost harder because you have to kind of force yourself to be creative. Yeah. So it's dull as anything. And then I suppose you, when you get back, you, your creative energy is kind of gone. gone. Yeah. When I went freelance, I ended up wanting to be given boring design work. I know that sounds terrible, but stuff that I could just get done quickly and it paid well because it didn't require any thought, so it didn't drain that sort of creative energy from me. Um, and sometimes I would set myself creative projects, but these were generally digital. So I was I was doing those and I'd come up with ideas for like characters and but I'd always have a, a motive behind it that it would end up being something commercial. So it was never just, I'll do this for fun. It was, you know, maybe I could do this and maybe I'll be able to publish it or, you know, something like that. And I only really got back the spark for drawing after we did our Does Alcohol Make You More Creative Challenge? Uh, that was before we started kicking the creatives, wasn't it, really? It was when we kind of first met, wasn't it? Yeah, and I remember, do you remember we drew that bottle, didn't we? We had to yeah. draw, draw a Prosecco bottle. And um, I started doodling after that again. And it was really weird because sitting down and drawing that bottle, it felt really, really alien to me. Yeah. Because yeah. I would, I had, used to have to scribble stuff for graphics, but it wasn't like looking at something it was just like scribbling where elements would go on a page so they're all yeah. you know, sitting and suddenly realize oh yeah I remember you have to kind of measure off where things go and and yeah then I started doodling I think that kind of developed and then we decided to develop that into Kim Creatives didn't we so it kind of that's what brought your passion back isn't it for art yeah mm. and because we were doing that purely for it was for a laugh really well <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, it was a genuine scientific experiment. <laughs> yes, sorry. Yeah, under strict conditions. 
where you drunk strict. too much. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's what got me going again. It, but but you can. It, it's interesting, Tara, though, isn't it? Because just before you go on to anything else, it's almost like graphic design killed your passion for drawing. Yeah. And now drawing has killed your passion for, for graphic design. No, I'm not sure you have passion for it necessarily, but it's kind of almost turned it the other way around, isn't it? Well, no, I haven't had passion for graphics for a long time. So, right, yeah, right, that's that's long gone. Well, I don't even mm. know if I ever did, but you know, I th- I think for me because. What I think you don't see, if if you haven't ever had a creative job, and some people are probably really lucky and find something that's totally suitable for them. But, for example, I went into a graphic design job, and, and what you're kind of thinking you're going to be doing is doing all these lovely designs, you know, sitting there coming up with these ideas, making things look beautiful. And what happens is someone comes in and they say, oh, we've got these ink cartridges. We've got this company that make ink cartridges. They've already had all their packaging designed. So what we've got to do now is redo the artwork, but pull the languages on the back. Oh, God. <laughs> so it's like, that sounds so oh boring. Oh, God. So, so you would get the... It's art- changed. Do you think it's changed over the years? Because like you say, back then, when you first started, there was a lot more drawing involved. But now I think as time goes on... We lied more and more on computers to do things for us. Well, no, I think that's always been the case. There's always been um, way more of a kind of the tedious side, I would call it, of design. I think probably if you go to, maybe if you go to the city, there's probably much more of a hierarchy where you'll have a creative director who's coming up with the ideas and, and that's probably the position you want to be in, you know, and then you've got the other people kind of making his ideas work on paper yeah but where I was you know everybody was just mucking in so if there was a bit of packaging where you had to put this thing on or or if you had to create a flash for a cereal box you know it's just ever anybody would do that yeah there wasn't like a someone who did that sort of stuff while you did the creative stuff so yeah it's not always what it's made out to be I think a lot of things in um, computer designers. And I remember a friend of mine actually lives in Toulouse. um, And I've known him since I was very, very small. And I went over to see him um, in France one year. And he he obviously had a photo. He took a photograph of me in a bikini. Bear in mind, I was in my early 20s at the time. Yeah. And as a present, he... He sent me a present, and I mean, why, quite why I'd want this. He was he was a real joker, but he he sent me this present, and it was basically a puzzle where it was me <laughs> in my bikini yeah. made into a puzzle. <laughs> but he was um he was one of these. He, he worked in advertising. Now he was an artist, yeah. But he went into design and all that, and basically he was responsible for things like I believe this is right, the Pretty Polly legs. You know, the remember uh, Pretty Polly um, stockings and tights? Yes. And he, he, he used to point out some of the posters that he'd actually been part of doing. Yeah. I said, you know, what, what's involved? And he said, basically, what he has to do is make sure that this these legs are absolutely the perfect legs yeah. and what everyone would imagine the perfect pair of legs to be. Yeah. So for, um, don't quote me on the Pretty Polly thing. It was something like that. Yeah. And uh, anyway... He sent me this puzzle and I looked at myself and I was horrified because he'd, he 
it lengthened my... I mean, bear in mind, I was 20, about 22, yeah. so I looked perfectly okay in a bikini in my 20s. But he'd, he'd made my thighs, like, about twice as long. He'd knit my waist in to ridiculous... I mean, I looked like Barbie doll. <laughs> I, it was awful. I was like, why Fair would enough. you do this Fair to me? Enough. He did it for a laugh. Yeah. I hope he did. Either that or he just thought I was... <laughs> <laughs> did not warrant a bikini I don't know but yeah but it was really I don't know why I'm going off onto this I'm going off topic here but yeah and he was explaining these things you see these big you know posters on the side Good of walls words. with women in their underwear and he said and men as well in their underwear and he said you know a lot of these six packs that you see a lot of that's just down to the photoshop people um enhancing shading where the muscle would be and all this sort of stuff yeah. so it's really interesting now i'd love that that sounds like fun to me to do but um at the same time it must get it must tedious. get tedious after a while <clears throat> you know well am I t- i'm all i'm all for reality to be honest with things like that i don't think we should be i don't think people should be um photoshop but there you go well I, even worse and i have to be careful how i phrase this when i used to have a share in a company we used to have a room within a, another company and uh for some reason in the other company they were doing some work so one of the guys got shifted into our room and some of the work they used to do was retouching men's top shelf magazines have i done oh. I do this before <laughs> No. Anyway, so so the guy's sitting uh, sitting there, and basically his job during the day is like retouching women for these magazines. But the woman he was having to retouch, it was obviously a shot that was done quite a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> and women's hair fashion, and I don't mean it on your <laughs> head, has changed quite considerably. So he was having to retouch out the hair. She was becoming a Parisian. <laughs> <laughs> or a Brazilian? Yeah, I, think I, might, I, I really think I might have to edit this, edit this out. <laughs> Maybe that's my blooper. Oh, dear. It's oh like going God. too far. <laughs> I think we better move on yeah, to the actual yeah. topic again. <laughs> I can't remember. It definitely wasn't that, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, basically, I don't know what you—I don't know what you were talking about now. But I'm—I'm going to go on to um, a few years ago. There was a program. Did you ever see it? And it was called um, "What Do Artists Do All Day?" No. Do you remember that? No. Yeah, I don't know if it was on BBC Two or something like that. I don't know. And it was on in the daytime. Obviously, no one's interested. But but basically, yeah. What do artists do all day? I'm sure some of our listeners might have seen it. And. Um, I think each episode followed um, a particular quite well-known artist and what they would do like on an average day. Yeah. And um, I found the whole thing to be a bit unlikely, to be honest. I mean, they seem to make all of the artists seem so mysterious and a bit bonkers, quite honestly. I mean, you never saw one of them loading the dishwasher before they started or suddenly remembering that they'd forgot to pick the kids up from school, you know, the normal stuff. And, but there was loads of scenes with them, like, enveloped in a smog of smoke and scrubbing at their easels. And, and they'd have a break at a quaint little backstreet hideaway and sup on their beer. So there seemed to be a lot of smoking, pondering, uh, wandering, and, yeah, a little bit of painting, but very little normality. And it was kind of feeding that image that so many people have of artists, really. And... Um, 
it's funny because I've had a couple of people say to me in the past, you don't look like an artist. And I just think, well, well, what, what does an artist look like then? Should I, should I be sporting dreadlocks and only have one ear? <laughs> so it's funny, isn't it, how people have this kind of image in their heads of what an artist looked like. But in any case, I think most people would imagine that an artist spends all day at their easel painting whatever they like. Um, they can make up their own hours and basically get paid for having fun. But that is so far from reality, really, isn't it? Certainly if you rely on it for an income. I mean, the reality is you're going to have to spend a lot of your time creating things that you don't particularly want to or feel like doing. You might be forced to take on commissions that you don't particularly like the idea of. And having done that myself in the past, I know that that actually can create a real problem and leave you not wanting to paint at all. So it's definitely not all fun and games. No, I mean, I remember you did one commission, didn't you? And you just fought with it and fought with it. Do you remember the turquoise one? Oh, yeah, I really did. I took it on and I ju- it just wasn't a subject that I was interested in and it was a colour I hated and it was a triptych, which I don't know why, what it is about triptychs, but I don't, I don't like them. I don't like the split canvases. Everyone's to their own, but having to actually paint one, I just, I just wasn't enjoying it at all. And, you know, that I, I only took it on because I was getting paid for it. Yeah. But I learned really now, I've certainly learned now that um and this is what about you know having a job does for me is that I can pick and choose what I if I do take a commission, it'll only ever be now something that I know that I'd love to paint. I'll never take on a commission. You know, if somebody said, Oh, can you paint my local church? I'd be like, No. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't like painting buildings it doesn't interest me so it wouldn't be a good painting because you it, you know you'd be able to tell and even when you do get to paint something you do like like obviously you love your marbles um it still puts additional pressure on doesn't it if you're yeah it's very very different I mean like I'm painting marbles now because I fancy painting them again I just feel like painting them again there's also another subject I want to get onto that I feel like doing very different but they're two things I want to do if somebody had said to me can you paint me a group of marbles I would have done it because I know I would anyway, but it's it's not as enjoyable when you're doing it for someone yeah. because you're suddenly worrying, oh, is it going to be what they want? What about this? Is it going to be what they expect? And I haven't got any of that now. I'm just painting it because I love to paint it. And if somebody buys it at the end, brilliant. But if they don't, you know, it's not the end of the world. I don't have, I'm not in any rush to sell it, put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I have a problem with doing things when you, when you do it for money for example um design which is just the same as art but you also have to change things because someone else says they don't like it there might be nothing absolutely nothing wrong with it yeah like, can you imagine if you painted your marbles and then someone said well actually i don't quite like the color of that marble at the end i need you to go and change it now um and you could have spent days doing that job and i've spent you know occasionally like a couple of days working on something and you show it to them and sometimes you might even be quite pleased with it yourself and they go i don't like it and you might have done two or three options there or you know several options and they just think no I, i don't like i don't like any of them and then you've got the choice that you just write it off and say oh well let's forget about that or you do all the changes they suggest or you completely redo it And that would be really, really hard, I think, because as the artist, I think you know what looks best. And when somebody says, oh, can you change it 
to this colour. Yeah. And you think, well, that won't sing against that colour, you know, or that won't look as good. It would be very hard to change it because, you know, it's your name on it at the end of the day. So, you, you know, I, I think if I thought something was going to look um, not right, I'd be very reluctant to make it that way because I think, well... Then you know I've got to, I've I haven't got to live with it, but you know it's being shown out there. It's hanging on someone's wall, you know. Yeah, I mean it's quite bad. I mean I've had to change things because clients want things changed. Um, but what I think sometimes people don't see is that, for example, when you're working out your marble composition, you won't mm. just stick them down, take the photo. That's it. You might try a few no. different options, rearrange them. Oh, I don't quite like that. But they don't. Sometimes it can take days of. It can actually take days to get the right shot and to get the right um, composition. But they don't see that bit. So it's the same no. with the design. If I've done something and tried different ways of doing it, they haven't seen that bit. So they then might say, "Well, I actually don't like the way you've laid that out. Can we try it like this?" You think, "Well, I've already done it like that. I've tried it for myself. It didn't work. Yeah. I've rejected it." But they don't know that. And, and what you said about um, having your workout on show. I used to have a portfolio. You don't have to take a portfolio around so much now, but when I used to have a lugger portfolio around, like for freelance work, I tend to have in the bits where the concept work, you know, where I'd just gone and presented to the client the first page yeah. rather than the end piece of work because usually they look way better. So, you know, the whole of the folder would be full of concept work. Yeah, yeah. Before it had been messed up. And I think I think that's a good thing, isn't it? Because then you can at least show them and say, "Look, I'll show you why it didn't work." <laughs> yeah, well, I wouldn't even show. I wouldn't even show in my portfolio yeah. the end bit quite yeah. often. You get the odd bit, you yeah. get. But you'd you'd also get stuff like I've had people say, um, "Oh, can you change that font to this one?" Mm. You'd look at it and think, "Oh no." <laughs> As like I say, as an artist, you often know what looks good and what doesn't, yeah. as opposed to someone who doesn't paint or draw, and they're asking you to do it because they don't, or they can't, or whatever, or they don't want to. And they, you know, it's hard to explain that actually because they don't understand why it won't work. Yeah, but you can't necessarily put the time in to show them either. But you just know. Yeah. But you know, the other thing is, you know, I know we're talking about commissions here, but um, let's say you're not someone who's taking on commissions but you're painting for a living so you might also have to paint what's selling rather than just paint what you feel like and that in itself I think can be an issue because you know you might not be being true to yourself as an artist and I think that's where art can suffer actually um and since I don't have to rely solely on my art for an income I've never luckily had to go down that route I mean certainly for years when I first began painting a, a lot of artists were all painting, you know, either abstract or impressionist work, whereas my style has always kind of leaned more towards realism, which people just weren't buying back then. I, I think it's coming back in now, but when I, when I was painting years, all those years, nobody was interested in that, you know. Yeah, But I didn't care. It didn't matter to me because I wasn't relying on it to pay the bills. I was able to just decide well I don't care what's selling I, I want to do this and I and I did it I didn't have to worry about what the current trend was but if you know if I had have done then I know I probably would have stopped well I most certainly would have stopped enjoying it might stop painting in the end if it, if it would have put me off I think I think you've also got the flip side of that like for example you're imagine you were selling you were doing your 
painting full time and you're selling your marble and your glass and reflective paintings. But then, yeah. and so you've built up an audience and they're selling really well. But then imagine you'd get a little bit fed up painting them. I know you probably wouldn't, but say you suddenly decided you wanted to try something quite different and you're yeah. quite bored of that. You've got the problem then that you might need to get a whole new audience for that work. It'd be very hard to break out of that when you know it can sell to do something different. Yeah. yeah. I know um, it, it's the same with design. You'd work for a company and they tend to give you, say, a certain client's work because they think, oh, you know that really well. You know that client. You know what they want. So basically you can do it a lot quicker than someone else who doesn't do that type of work. But it gets so boring. You know, yeah. sometimes you need to just break out of that and you get bored to tears. So, yeah, and like you were saying before, you've also got to paint when you're not in the mood, haven't you, if you're doing it for a living? Yeah, you have to. I mean, it, it no matter how much, you know, we love what we do, we all have periods where we need a break from what we're doing, if, if only just to recharge. But if it's your full-time job, then you have to create, even when you don't feel like it. And, and that can be really hard. And it can even show in your work if it's forced or if you're in the wrong mindset. And I, I think as a creative, I think stepping back for a week or so sometimes, or even a little bit longer sometimes, is really, really important. But that's just not an option if that is your only income. So there's a lot of self-discipline involved and you have to treat it like any other job. You have to show up you know whether you feel like it or not you've got to put in the hours so unless you're really really good at being self-disciplined it's not always the right move to make and I know I was doing it for fun but you know the abstract faces I was creating last month for our challenge yeah and I was going to continue it for the 100 day project I just got to this point where I'm just creating for the hell of creating as in I'm not enjoying it I'm just doing it if I was doing that for a living I would just have to keep going wouldn't I I wouldn't be able to stop because I would need to keep making them if I was selling them Uh, because there's so much more pressure if you've got to make that money. So you've really got to hustle as well to try and get work, which means you may have to take on work that doesn't interest you at all, like you said before, just just to pay the ball, uh, pay the balls, (laughs) (laughs) pay the bill. And any any job where you work for yourself, not just art, but it's not guaranteed income even if you've actually won the business you've still got through a few hurdles to get through like I said the client's got to like the work they've got to be happy with it and they've actually got to pay you because I mean it's probably okay if you're selling a painting and they pay you when you buy the painting but with something as you know people get like 30 days or 14 days to pay and I've had experiences where I've never got paid for you know a couple of times and and the company's gone bust so so they may do work and not end up getting paid for it at all um it can be very all or nothing as well because I mean I'm guessing the same with painting because I was listening to a podcast with a woman I'm going to say her name wrong Lisa Congdon have you heard of her no I haven't no it's really interesting actually um have a listen it's a Chase Jarvis podcast he interviews her I can't remember the name creative live he's part of anyway but she was talking about how she sort of started like, getting a little bit more serious about art and for a while she didn't get any work and then she is almost all of a sudden after a few years she suddenly hit this point where she was getting tons so she'd gone from having hardly anything to being basically on overload yeah that is one of the problems you have I've, I've been in a situation before where I've wanted to find people I could give my work to 
you know, I've I've looked for another freelancer because I've had that much work, not very successfully found anybody. But and then I've also been so I've had nothing. So you've really got to balance that. And I guess with paintings as well, you you could either sell loads or or sell none. Yeah, exactly. And and I think now, you know, so many more artists are marketing themselves rather than, you know, relying on galleries to do it for them. Um, you know, they're not just painting anymore. 50% of their time will be spent on the marketing side. So that's photographing your work, uh, updating your website, promoting across social media, blogging, um, networking, the list goes on. And, and when you do sell a painting, you know, there's that task of packing it, weighing it, getting quotes for posting, arranging the shipping. And it's surprising just how long that, that can actually take. And even if you do decide to go through a gallery, you know, you've still got to work with them too. They're not going to come and pick your work up and they'll still expect you to do a lot of the promotion as well. And after all that, let's not forget about the accounts. So once you start selling your work, you have to keep track of what you're spending and what you're earning because the tax man is definitely going to want to know about it. So, you know, painting is just a fraction of what a full-time artist has to do. There's a lot of boring stuff to do around it. I was going to say about the gallery as well. If you're going through a gallery, obviously they're going to help, you know, get your work out there. But of course yeah. they're going to want up to 50% for the pleasure of that, aren't they? Yeah, these days I think a lot of galleries are finding, you know, it harder because of obviously all the online things going on now. And quite often somebody will walk into a gallery, they'll look at the artist's name and think, oh, I'm going to go directly to their website. Because basically if you buy directly from an artist, it's going to be a whole lot cheaper than buying it from a gallery, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, what you were saying about marketing and this is terrible and me being really really lazy (laughs) i did those um faces the abstracty orange faces over yeah and i was thinking i wonder if i should try selling those um because i don't know what to do with them i've got got this big pile of faces (laughs) i don't know what to do with them because they're all on separate sheets of paper and and some of them are on boards, so they're taking up massive space. So I was thinking, well, shall I put them on an online site? And I was thinking, well, that means I've got to take a good photograph of every one of them. Then I've got to list them all. Then I've got to pay to list them. Then And I was thinking about all the things I need to do, you know, which is yeah. fine if, you're, if you can charge a decent amount for your, yeah. your work. But if it's only quite small, by the time you've done that, that is a very, very low hourly wage isn't it oh yeah definitely I mean painting you know even if if I'd say for instance this marble painting I'm doing so let's say it took a few days of shots and stuff to get the right kind of light and all the rest of it the light right composition um and then of course there's the um the painting part so forgetting about the painting part you've then got to photograph the work um and then you've got to upload it to your website and you've got to um, upload it to social media. And obviously when it sells, you've then got to, you know, like do all the shipping, like I said. You can add probably five days. Yeah. You know, at, you know, five days work on top of how long the painting takes. Yes. And I think people wonder why art's expensive. There's a very good reason why art is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> there really is. Yeah, beyond the but materials, because they're expensive as well, aren't they? If you're doing a large painting. Yeah. But going back to galleries, though, you know, I went into a gallery the other day. You know, they they want to add 50% on and you can either 
let them take 50% or you have to add on that onto what you want. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And this gallery I, w- I was walking around in the other day, they had uh, brackets, like price brackets. Yes. And um, they would have sold my art, and this is no lie, mine would have been in the £5,000 bracket. Wow. It's incredible, yeah. isn't it? Well, I think you should try that for yours. Yeah, but I wouldn't... I kind of almost think... It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I, I think art is very valuable. I really do. And I think it's unique and... I think it should be, I say it should be expensive. I think, I don't think it needs to be that expensive. I think it should be, everyone should be able to have access to art. I think there's a perceived value. So, yeah. So, um, say for example, you and someone else could paint exactly the same thing. Well, not, I don't mean exactly the same thing, but you could paint things in very similar ilk. Imagine you've got someone who's got very good skills, very good painting skills like you. Um, so you're painting a similar ilk and you've got two paintings side by side, but, but they might decide whether they'd sell it or not. That theirs is worth £10,000. Exactly. You might decide yours is worth 500 So it yeah. all depends if the person looking at that perceives theirs to be way better because they've priced it at 10000 doesn't it? Yeah, I've heard so many times, um, you know, you, you need to price art expensive because if you don't, People don't think it's um, good. Yeah. Well, I, I just don't, I find that I struggle with that. I struggle with that. I really do. I always think you know my prices are probably too low because of that. Because I find it hard to just even though I think actually the hours I've put into a painting are far more than um, I'm probably you know I'm probably charging way too yeah. low to be honest. But it, you know I some of the paintings I would have put in that gallery they would have been 5000 There's nowhere near. I wouldn't dream of putting that price on a painting. We're going off we topic are. again, aren't we? But I just want to ask you yeah, one question. On. What, what is ilk? <laughs> what, what, you know, it's what does ilk, ilk mean? Feel. <laughs> what does feel? Okay. I've never heard yeah. of that before. You know, like, um, yeah, I, I'm going to have to look it up myself now in case I made it up by having. Right, I'm going to do a quick search. I don't know if you're putting this in the podcast or not. Oh, a type of person or thing similar to one already referred to. Oh, okay. So, so similar genre. I would have said, yeah, okay, I get it now. Similar juxtaposition. (laughs) No, not at all. I was thinking, what yeah. does that mean? Yeah. So, oh. so, so they might paint still lifes. They, they might yeah. be a, a really good painter like you. They might paint uh, reflective still lifes like you. Yeah. So shall we move on to the pros now of turning your creativity in a full-time career? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you get to do what you love all day and you get paid for it. And if you get it right, you end up doing something you love and you could charge for and it could be fantastic. Although you don't actually get to do what you love all day, as we discussed earlier, but you get to do what you love and get paid for it. Now the positive bit. So I'll have that, please. <laughs> but yeah, ultimately, the more you paint, obviously, the more you improve, and that's what's so good about doing it full time. Is that you're basically, hopefully, um, being paid to own your skills. To what? Home. Home, Home your skills. With a H. 
<laughs> I always say own. It's like honest is spelt with not with an a, an H, but you don't pronounce it. So I've always said own your own. skills, and it is home, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but it's very hard to find time for your art, you know, when you have another job and other commitments. So by doing it full time, you know, you no longer have that problem and you can develop so much quicker than you might do otherwise yeah and I think it really feels like you're not working I mean if you could imagine that you could sit and paint whatever you wanted whenever you wanted if you could charge enough for it, like you know you send those paintings in the gallery so if you yeah. knew that each of your effective paintings you could get ten thousand pounds for it would mean you wouldn't have to paint too many and then I think then you're at kind of nice point then because you can paint what you want, not have to paint too much and do really mm. well. I think the gallery would sell at 5,000, so I would get two and a half. So that's how it was working. But yeah, if I was getting two and a half, if I was, if I was guaranteed to get two and a half thousand pounds for a painting. Yeah. yeah. Well, Paul would, Paul, would, Paul would make sure I was doing it full time. <laughs> I mean, especially as well if you could paint. So I don't mean commissions. So you paint no. what you wanted. Yeah. yeah. Then, exactly, I, then I think yeah. you've kind of got it right. I mean, I don't mean it would have to be that level, but whatever level would be enough for you yeah. to sort of live off. Exactly. You don't have to sell paintings at no. two and a half thousand. You might be somebody who paints them a lot quicker and smaller and you you might get, you know... I, I know an artist, his work is so, um, I love his stuff. His name's Steve Sanderson. And he, he's got very narrative um, style. I've actually got one of his original paintings and um, I love his stuff. He is almost like a modern day Lowry. Okay. And he sort of does, but you know, when he was selling his work, he was selling some of his little paintings at 80 pounds each. And they were fantastic and I once said to him why are you selling it so cheap I can't believe you're so cheap and he said but he said people buy them and he said they will always buy them at that price he said they sell hand over fist because they are cheap and he said so I can just get on and paint and I know that everyone is going to sell so there's two ways of looking at it isn't it you don't have to go expensive it just depends how quickly you can paint I suppose as well but um, no, you should check his stuff out. I love it. You'd probably like well, it. Well, we saw it at um, this um, exhibition we went to. It's Art in, art in the Park, it was called. Um, and obviously it was probably mainly amateur artists. But they had hmm. paintings there and there was one. I can't even remember whether I liked it or not, this one. But it was like £30 in a frame. And I think... Well, the frame probably exactly. cost me. <laughs> you know, that's the trouble, isn't it? You're doing that yeah. for love. That's That's not obviously to make money it's they're just trying to get their materials back almost on that one probably trying to get their materials back and also it's nice to say i sold yeah. a painting because there's nothing nicer than somebody saying i want to buy what you've made i mean what a compliment it's a lovely it is, feeling yeah. but i think yeah you can certainly undervalue yourself and, and your art you've got to remember that that's a one-off you know no one else is going to have it so yeah undervaluing is is um as big a mistake i think as overvaluing i think there's a balance and we should probably one day do um an episode on how to price your art i'll, I'll but we'll do it when we both know how to do it <laughs> <laughs> what's best well, you probably know but i don't uh it's really hard it's yeah. always been a really difficult one but I mean, although a huge amount of self-discipline is obviously involved, you do get to choose your own hours. So, for example, if you're a night owl, then you can work through the night. Um, 
there's a uh, a lovely, lovely artist. She's called Carrie Waller. I don't know if you've ever heard yeah, of I've her. I've seen her work. It's lovely. Yeah, she's such a lovely person as well. But she's got kids and um, she's a night owl. And uh, I know that a lot of her painting time is she sort of works sort of from, I don't know, 11, when the kids have gone to bed till sort of two o'clock <gasps> in the morning. And then she'll get up and sort the kids out. I couldn't do that. I'd be... I would be a mess if because I need my sleep. But yeah, but th- that's the thing. She sells her paintings, and she she is basically a night owl, and that's when she enjoys painting the most when everyone's asleep. And and it's great, isn't it? You you get to, you couldn't if you did a job. Say you worked in your local I don't know supermarket. You couldn't say, oh, I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna come in at eleven o'clock tonight and work till three. Yeah, you know? I like <laughs> it. yeah, I feel like doing it. Then you can't. You've got to you've got to um do the hours you're given so you know that's that's a really positive thing or if again if you like to start a day really early then you could be painting by 5 a.m and finished by you know midday as long as you're putting in the hours you can basically create a, a schedule that suits you um Aside from that, though, you'll probably most likely need to have your finger in a few pies if you're going to rely on art as a sole income for example to supplement your income you might need to teach workshops and some people might see that and it's funny because I was I didn't know whether to put this on the negative side or the positive because some people will see that as a negative but I see it as a positive because being an artist you know it can be quite a lonely business Um, but this way you get to meet other artists and you can learn from them as much as they can learn from you and it can be really helpful because you can supplement your income with workshops when sales go down, for instance, like after Christmas when everyone's completely broke, you know. One good thing as well about having a creative job is it can push you out of your comfort zone. So it can get you to create things that you wouldn't otherwise or develop skills that you might not otherwise have developed. So I've been asked to create things as part of my design job that I never would have done otherwise. And that meant I had to learn bits of software more in depth and also through work and personal projects I've also learned the basics of 3D programs and again that's probably something I wouldn't have developed as much without having to do that I thought you were going to say otherwise again messing <laughs> <laughs> up my speech I'm a bit red no 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 <laughs> I was just counting it otherwise, otherwise I'll have to do it again <laughs> Oh dear! Right, sorry, You're sorry. I didn't mean to. So but... much of this. <laughs> but as we said at the beginning, leaving paid employment and jumping feet first into a full-time art career is a risk. It's not guaranteed income. So how can we get the best of both worlds? So you could play safe and just decrease your hours, uh, you know, at work and go part time. And that way you still have some guaranteed income, but you have more time to put into your art. Um, You could either do this indefinitely or you could gradually decrease your hours until you feel confident enough to take the leap. Now, the problem is that your employer, of course, might not necessarily be happy about that. So it might be more difficult. And in that case, the only thing you could do is perhaps find a part time position somewhere else or even do something completely different. You might, I don't know, work in a coffee shop for half the week and paint the other half or a couple of nights at a supermarket because you get better money or um, for less hours. And then you can spend more time painting. 
And also, if you do have a job that's not fulfilling, you could also do your own self-driven creative projects on the side. As I mentioned earlier, I've set myself a lot of creative projects over the years. So mine have been anything from kids' characters to creating a cartoon book. You could set yourself a project to learn a certain medium or printmaking or draw an animal every day. It's a bit like our challenges, really. You set yourself a project and stick with that for a set period of time. Um, you could also have a creative job or business, a bit like you said, that's not exactly the same as something you love. For example, we're enjoying doing Kicking the Creatives. I know it's not a business, but because it's not just about painting or drawing, it also involves podcasting, creating a video and running a group. So as well as drawing, we get to learn other stuff and have fun. And I also do a bit of paid writing. So the writing, although it's creative, is not the same as graphic design or, or drawing. No, that's right. We've just recently done another um, article, haven't we, for the Leisure Painter magazine. So we're having to do things that we would never normally do. We wouldn't normally write articles. We wouldn't normally, you know, write videos and things like that. And it is so true that sometimes, you know, like I was saying earlier, I'm doing a lot of things drawing-wise that I probably wouldn't have done otherwise. So I often go into art shops and I imagine that would be a really great place to work. Can you imagine that? But I, I reckon that I'd have absolutely no self-control and just spend all of my wages. I always thought it'd be such a great place to kind of meet other artists, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be nice to be able to advise people as well, wouldn't it? Because you yeah. know a little bit about the stuff and say... Yeah. yeah. Or say, wow, what's this like? Have you used it before, you know? I mean, you could use your skills as well in it like a different way to earn money alongside painting the things that you want so like I said earlier that might be teaching workshops or you could teach online courses to make some money or you could license your work or sell it on printed items like t-shirts again this takes a lot of marketing and as you know I've recently started um, uh, making prints of my artwork and that's an avenue I've never visited before Um, so yeah it's it's but it is work it's all hard work at the end of the day no matter what you do but it depends how badly you want it I suppose yeah I mean we created some t-shirts didn't we for kicking the creatives but we've only sold a few again that's because we haven't marketed those enough yeah and the, the marketing is what takes so much time but then it's like well where do you start there's so much marketing to do it's there kind is. of priorities yeah. I suppose isn't it yeah yeah and I think one thing is if you are going to have a creative job try and make sure you get the type of work you like. So, for example, in the case of design, I could try and make go after the clients that I was interested in. So I did actually try this for a while. I tried to go after food packaging clients and I actually did a few freebie jobs just to get some work in my portfolio. But I realised that this still wasn't what I really wanted, but it might work for you. So, you know, just try and approach people that could give you the type of work you wanted and I think when we did our podcast oh with oh I've now forgotten the name what's it about uh, about marketing your art oh Corey Huff yes when we did the podcast with Corey he was saying how there was a woman who painted flowers and she went to a flower association I think it was a British flower association and she found a market for her work that way so a bit of clever marketing and she managed to do the things she loved and have a ready market for her work. Yeah, yeah. I always think, um, actually, that I really do think that one of the best ways is to have 
you know, two jobs really, to, to have a part-time one. I really do. And I'll tell you why, because thinking about what I was saying earlier about working in coffee shops and just doing things that aren't really that taxing particularly, but they're, they're fun and they're, you, you get out and you're meeting people, um, that has to give you some sort of inspiration too for your art. Because I'll tell you what, as someone who actually does work on my own virtually all day, I mean, the only person I have to talk to, Tara, is you. Can you imagine how awful? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> but but it's quite um it's quite you know isolating at times because I spend an awful lot of time on my own until Paul comes home from work and all the rest of it. But um you know I think it's actually quite important to get out and see some of the world and see you know see other people and get ideas get ide- you know get a bit of creative inspiration and I always think a coffee shop would be a great place to work for that reason well do you know I used to get some of my better ideas when I used working in-house for design companies before I went freelance yeah. you get periods when they had no work especially one company I worked for they went through a really really dry spell so I'd be sitting there the annoying thing with a job like that is when you're freelance if you've got no work you can you can do other things do what you like yeah not tied to your chair whereas when you're in a company like that you essentially sit in your desk sit at your desk for eight hours with nothing yeah. to do um and at the time we didn't even have internet <laughs> Oh, God. You couldn't go on Facebook in the background. <laughs> no, no smart, it wasn't no. smartphones. We had mobiles, but they weren't smart yet. No. So you could dial they, someone. They were stupid phones. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially, you had to kind of amuse yourself. And I did used to actually come up with ideas then because I'd get really bored. I'd be thinking, please send me home. Please send me home. <laughs> so I'd sit there and I'd come up with character ideas just because I was so bored. Yeah, and that's not a bad thing because... Well, that's the trouble with Facebook and things like that. It sort of sucks away your creative energy on something else. So maybe yeah, that's a that's true. That's, maybe that's a whole new episode. <laughs> now here's a big one, a really big one. You could make the ultimate sacrifice and downgrade. So do you remember when we spoke to Joanna Penn yes. on episode yes. twenty? Oh, well, I she just dis- yeah, yeah, <laughs> she's creepy. lovely. Sorry, she's Joanna, lovely. it's not creepy. <laughs> Well, she described um, her full-time job that she had, obviously, before she started writing um, as wearing golden handcuffs because it was a really, really well-paid job and that made it really, really hard for her to leave and take the gamble of becoming the writer that she'd always wanted to be. So she and her husband decided that they would sell their big house and downsize to what I believe is a small flat and they kept only the things that they actually needed. I, I, I don't think they even had a TV for quite some number of years. Yeah. So, of course, with so much less to pay out, they could then afford for her to leave her job, um, to travel for her inspiration and to concentrate on her writing business. And Joanna now makes a six-figure salary from doing what she loves. And I know she wouldn't mind me saying that because she's very, very open about that. And I've always said to Paul, you know, I quite fancy selling everything and living on like a canal boat. What do you think? <laughs> but he's he's just not on board with that idea, unfortunately. You know he just doesn't want in that, don't you? You you know who your, your friend, your yeah. friend. Yeah, you told me about. And I've I've said I've said to him way before you ever told me about that. Oh, wouldn't it be amazing just to sell everything and live a simple yeah. life, little canal boat? How wonderful! 
Yeah, so that's, uh, thinking of doing that or does want to do that, my friend Lisa Warner, she's got a YouTube channel called Life Full of Meaning. Um, now, Lisa's very creative, but not in the arty sense. She's very creative kind of in, in a business way. But, yeah, they basically sold nearly all their belongings, just came out of their house, you know, with more or less what they could carry. I think her husband had a few, some of his tools that they kept in the office. But, yeah, wanted to make their life more about experience than things so that's what they've done so yeah check that out youtube channel life full of meaning i love that idea but wow that's so brave isn't it i mean hats off to joanna for taking that leap but at least to the you know the worst case scenario that hadn't worked out they wouldn't have you know had to default on their mortgage payments and things like that because they could still afford what they had but it's um yeah i mean it's something to think about isn't it because we we all sort of tend to spend our life trying to save for possessions and really they mean nothing you know they always say don't they when they talk about people being happy they say buy experiences not things oh yeah I mean do you know what the times that the holidays that Paul and I have gone on I'd rather have those amazing memories any day than I would an extra bedroom do you know what I mean yeah well it's just simple things even like um me and Kevin when we had that hot Easter weekend we just uh went to town sat at a, outside at a restaurant not even an expensive meal and I just drew and Kevin sat there and then we walked and it's just simple things like that it doesn't even have to cost you much does it oh I but so agree but it's the experience rather than rather than going and spending a load on you know an item yeah there's something to be said for that so it's it's well worth thinking about and remembering I think yeah. yeah. So shall we go on to our previous question we read out last time? Yes. Which was, where do you see yourself creatively in five years? Now, is it worth me asking you whether you've thought about this <laughs> and come up with an answer? <laughs> well, you know the answer, don't you? The answer's no, I haven't thought about it. Well, <laughs> I kind of did look at it and think, oh, she's going to ask me this. And I was thinking, I don't really know. Um, what I would like to be doing, if it's, if it's a perfect situation then me and you would be doing kicking the creative still yeah we will have some brilliant sponsors yeah sponsoring us and we'd how would that amazing would that be be absolutely amazing we'd perhaps make some courses and we maybe have some other people coming in making us some courses um yeah and we don't what you mean is earning a little bit out of it so that we can actually step back from our other jobs (laughs) really nice and also I'd, i'd quite like to be able to sell a few paintings or drawings as well well I've kind of learned I've kind of learned that you know you can think where you'll see yourself creatively in five years but I've realized that life just twists and turns so often you just can't imagine because it's never right (laughs) well hopefully you're right (laughs) we've both got the same vision exactly the same vision which is great but what I mean is like if you'd have said five years ago um that you would have well say for instance I remember the first time that I was invited to be a guest on a podcast yeah now if somebody I I was going to say no I just was terrified if somebody had said to me five years ago you'd have been interviewed on a podcast I'd have laughed and said no way because there's no way I would be brave enough to talk on a podcast so you know and and yet five years later I've not only done several of you know podcasts on other you know interviewed on other podcasts but also we have our own we've got kicking the creatives which I never 
you know, even thought about back then. So these were all things that weren't part of my plan, but it's been amazing. Yeah, well, if you'd have said to me five years ago that I would like drawing by hand again, I'd have said that's never going to happen. I thought that had gone, been gone, done. Yeah, so it's interesting. We, I know where I, I'd like to see myself creatively, but in my experience, sometimes it can actually be better. Yeah, well, let's, let's hope so. Yeah. Anyway, back to the question. So where do you see yourself creatively in five years? Okay, so first of all, I've got Cheryl Pond and she says, I hope to go from my sketchbook to paintings and acrylic and have a creative group to meet with once a week. I'm almost certain that she started painting in acrylic, didn't she, last week? On the um, did I did I see an acrylic painting she did? Oh, I, don't I might know. be wrong, unless it was in her sketchbook, but I'm, I'm sure Cheryl, oh, I'm sure you know. did that. If not, do it now oh, don't wait somebody did a self-portrait that was Cheryl, Cheryl Pond but I don't know if it was pencil or acrylic oh maybe maybe well don't wait around Cheryl don't wait five yeah, years get on with it <laughs> um John Munro this is exciting he says writing tv drama yeah now John Munro he's um isn't he I know obviously we know John Munro now very well he's been on our group for a long time but he does the poetry challenges quite a lot doesn't he he does and he also said he was going to some BBC writing thing he'd be yeah so ex- yeah exciting things ahead for John um so good luck with that John Munro don't forget to keep us um you know in the loop in the loop we want to know <laughs> and then i've got angela murphy and she says probably still in the care home but i might be drawing on the furniture no i think that, <laughs> i think that's angela's sense of humor because angela actually works in the care home <laughs> probably still oh, i see <laughs> i'm gonna say she's certainly not old enough to be in no, a care home no. <laughs> so um i've got um irs bellen she says i have no idea that is my struggle but you know Sometimes when you don't have an idea, you get some nice surprises like I have. So don't worry. Don't worry. And then I've got Mary Flynn and she says, well, I'm hoping to retire from my teaching job and become a full-time artist. I would love to write and illustrate a children's book. Well, that's definitely reachable, Mary, because Tara and I wrote a book, as you know, a children's book um, this year. And we've sort of, well, we're thinking about publishing it and we've just about at the point where... We um, have finished editing it. And you know what? The only thing between you and writing that that book is um, the first word. So get your pen, sit down and write the first word. Yeah, and you could always get a friend and do what me and Sandra did. And you write 250 words and then get your friend to write the next 250 words. Yeah, great. Great fun that was. I've got Gabriella Pop. She says, earning enough money by selling art. The art classes are just for fun. I'm dreaming. Well, you never. Are you dreaming? Are you dreaming? I remember dreaming of selling art, and now I I sell art. (laughs) You know, it's doesn't have to be a dream. It's what you make. You've got to make it happen. And I've got Nia Edmonds, and she says I'd like my arty business to be thriving, to maybe have an actual shop in my city. Oh, how lovely! Yeah, how exciting. But meanwhile, you could always have an online shop. Yeah, I think she has. I think she... Yeah, or has she? Etsy, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I've got Deborah Crary, still painting, possibly like Renoir, with my kids or hubby tying my brushes to my hands, or maybe fingerprinting or playing with my jelly plate, but still making art. There's no stopping me. <laughs> that sounds, sounds so much fun. I've got Alan Green. He says, like now, but better. I'm working less hours. I'm making more money. 
and being more famous and not having to rush around in the mornings to teach and having green hair and being a little bit more eccentric, maybe wearing wacky clothes. Apart from all that, like now, but better. (laughs) (laughs) So basically circling back then to what we were saying about what people see as a typical artist. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, basically. (laughs) I always think it's really strange, isn't it? I remember when I was at college years ago, this is before I ever went into art, you always knew the art students. Yeah, you did. Because they always had their own, they always had their own, it was almost like their own uniform, wasn't it? You had to have woolly hat and you had to have plaits or or, um, dreadlocks and you had to wear kind of really kind of long grey clothes and big scarves. (laughs) I, I remember wearing stuff to art college and I used to get covered in paint because I was rubbish but I remember wearing a lot of cut off jeans not so like um like dungarees no just cut off jeans to the knee so they were like short thingies or I'd buy them like that and some of them had like panels of material in them but then I'd put a smart jacket with it (laughs) (laughs) I thought the look was anyway yeah right um, yes, sorry, sorry. Uh, going, moving on, we've got Darina Bell Petty. I have a complete vision. I'm in my studio, which is full of light, surrounded by large works in progress. There are finished paintings hanging high on the walls, and I'm being interviewed by a journalist with a cameraman. My assistant is working away on the business computer in her office. It's so clear to me, the building, the skylights, even the interviewer's clothes. Well, you know what they say, Darina? They say that if you have a clear enough vision, and if you write your vision down, and especially if you have a vision board on the wall, then it's much more likely to actually happen. So I've, I'm, I've got every faith, Darina, in that. Have you got, every have you got a vision board? I've got an assistant. Her name's Tara. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think that's the other way around. Oh, well, sidekick. You know you were saying to me about don't find yourself a sidekick. I did think, well, maybe I'm the sidekick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I'm definitely no. the sidekick. <laughs> I think I'm the sidekick. Let's fight over being the sidekick. <laughs> I think I'd rather be the sidekick. No, no, I shouldn't divert. We're supposed to be reading these answers, aren't we? Go on then. Right, so I've got Miok Art Dis, hopefully animating for some company and creating comics. Great, that sounds really good. Uh, Catherine C. Slater, probably much the same as now. I'd like to think I'd be doing lots of creative stuff, trying new ideas, learning new things and taking risks, even at 76. Alan I might join you with the green hair, she says. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I mean, God, if you're happy doing what you're doing now, then yeah, just keep doing it. Why not? Fantastic. So I've got Filipina Pate. I think it's Pate. I really want to say Pate. Or is it Pate? I want to say Pate. It hasn't got an accent over the right. E, though. Unless it's Pate. Yeah. I do like a bit of Pate, though. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get ridiculous now. Shall I do that one again? No, just, just carry on. Everyone knows you're ridiculous. No, notice, I, I see myself writing. <laughs> okay, you're going to have to yeah. do this again. <laughs> I've got Filipina Pate. I see myself writing and illustrating children's books and graphic novels. I create print. <laughs> oh, no. oh, you're, oh, you're off on one now. Shall I go and make myself a cup of tea? No, I'll come back in a minute. Right in a minute. <laughs> He's talking of pate. I love pate. <laughs> you also love olives. We learned that from last time. I prefer pate. I hate pate. I, d- I always think it's full of noses and, um, and all sorts of other things which are un- un- uh, 
arable. Kevin always calls it cat food. So Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's what I think. Right. I've got Filipina Pate and she says, I see myself writing and illustrating children's books and graphic novels. I create prints and posters to make it easy to share my work with a wider audience. And I make commission paintings to help heal and encourage people who are sick or need help in hospitals or other healthcare settings. Oh, that's a really nice vision to have, isn't it? It really is. Um, I've got Jewel Mulder. I want to be living from my creativity, but will be starving probably. <laughs> no, no, you won't. You'll be thriving. No, you won't. You'll be thriving. Yes, you will. You definitely won't be starving. I've got Christy C. Neff, hopefully doing this full time. I'll finally be retired. Maybe I'll actually sell something. Do you know, you know, that's something you, I say, never wish your life away. But there, that's the one thing about retirement one day. If, if I never get to leave my job and do this full time, um, that is one thing about retirement, which I think must be amazing. You can just do the thing you love. When you want. Whenever you like. Yeah. Although I have to say art is an expensive hobby. Yeah. So... Frank J. Ferrer, hopefully right where I am, but a better improved artist. I have a great full-time job as a graphic designer where I get to create something almost every day in a field that I love. I'm also an artist in my heart and soul, and before or after work every day and every chance I get, I'm turning around at my drawing table with my back to the computer and drawing, painting, or doing just anything creative and learning, improving, and practicing my drawing skills. When I was younger, I never thought I would be here doing this, but I am, and I couldn't hope for anything more. And now I appreciate every moment of it. Sorry for the ramble. Oh, no, that's, that's lovely. I love hearing all that. It's really good. Um, Bradley Bergen, I always want to improve. Some days it feels like I've gone five years backwards, but that's the process. Hopefully selling some and still enjoying this process. I got Dorothy Walker, hopefully still alive. <laughs> I'm producing something every day, good, bad and indifferent. Well, I certainly hope you're still alive. <laughs> So I've got Cheryl Martin, hoping to be retired down at a beach in either America or England. Follow God's lead. Writing, painting, creative, odd stuff, loving my life, published poet. Fantastic. And I've got Mumsy Savo. I would like to think that I would faith in my ability to encompass all art styles without fear of failure and hope be still creating every day, just for me. Perfect. Sounds yeah. perfect. And we have a brand new question for you, uh, which is, do you ever feel guilty for spending time creating? And if so, what do you feel like you should be doing instead? So do you ever feel guilty for spending time creating? And if so, what do you feel like you should be doing instead? I really think we need one of those weird pencil questions again at some point. <laughs> well, that was an accidental yeah, question. I know, but I really like that one. Right. As always, okay, I'm on it. I'm on okay. it. As always, you can tweet us your answers at Kit Creatives or let us know in the Facebook group, which if you haven't joined, I highly recommend you do. We will put the question up there and also on the Facebook page and, of course, on our Instagram, which is also Kick in the Creatives. And don't forget to pop over to our website at kickinthecreatives.com to find out how you can take part in some of our upcoming creative challenges. And of course, there you can also subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you are enjoying the podcast, we'd be so grateful if you'd leave us a little review on iTunes or even just a star rating if you don't have much time. And also, you can now subscribe to our weekly YouTube video if you want to learn something creative every Sunday and see Tara and I making complete fools of ourselves at the same time. But that's it for today, and we will see you soon. Yep, see ya. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes. Back soon. I'm lost. <laughs> Where was that? Where was that bit? I was ad-libbing. Oh. <laughs> Do you never ad-lib? I came later. I remember that coming later. <laughs> I thought, I thought well, you skipped gonna... ahead and I'd missed something. Okay. No. All right. No, it just came into Editing. my head. I'm sure that comes later. I think what? I've got that down later or somebody's got that down oh, later. That's all right. I'll just, I'll just cut you yeah. out. Don't worry. <laughs> Right, well, going back. To, do, you, do, you want, do you want me to tell you where you no, are? I know where I am. I just, You're more likely to create things you wouldn't otherwise. I just don't know where the hell you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm monitoring myself. Right. Okay. You know I'm no good at that. <laughs>